but I always remember the garden was like my golf course at that age. So I would have been involved with the Connacht, Connacht panels, Connacht teams up until 16, and then I broke onto the national squad then. The ego built for myself, and it's, it was so dangerous. I got so frustrated when things went bad in golf that I actually ended up walking away for you. They're buzzing because I've given them confidence, I've given them clarity, if you do this, this is what will happen. And they, they, they believe that. And it's the belief that I can give them is what gets them the results. PGA coach as well as technically a professional golfer as you just told yeah, me yeah. You're, you were plus three when you turned professional and and the lowest of plus five which to me is just fucking incomprehensible I suppose when I when I was playing to plus five I was playing playing a lot of golf playing a lot of competitive golf and I suppose with the amount of practice I was putting in I it it was very achievable for me to to play to that level, play and play to that standard, as would it be for anyone that had practiced that much. But uh, it's yeah, insane. I yeah, I know. We yeah. get into uh, how much you have to practice and all that sort of stuff. But I only thought about this the last day, man, and I actually only mentioned this. What day is it today? It is Thursday. So I did one on Tuesday evening, and I only yeah. mentioned it to the fellow I did it with Tuesday evening. That was off off camera. We we'll call it about how one of the main things, uh, one of the main reasons as to why I was interested in getting into a podcast was chatting to you in Galway. Remember we'd be chatting in Galway about oh, like, yeah. I'd be like, man, <laughs> like, how hard is it to do this? And what, yeah, you know, asking yeah. me in depth and the boys would be like, fuck's sake. And I was just like, <laughs> I want to know everything about this man's life. And after I was like, that's savage. Like, I just want to talk to him one-on-one and it's funny because i don't know how many people would have done it to talk to you but when you were talk- talking to me you'd you'd give it to me like you give me everything rather than people yeah. like ah, yeah i'm playing all right well, now to be honest i'd be very open about it like i i love i love chatting about it because i suppose it's one thing kind of experiencing trying to achieve a massive goal to to play professionally in that but to kind of talk about it, you know, for say for me now, explain my story to you and you being blown away by it. It gives me actually a lot of confidence because it, it might be just me, but like I'm definitely at fault for being very hard on myself and being very tough on myself. So it's, it's, it is, it's, it's nice to, uh, yeah, I suppose it I puts it in perspective. Of, you know, but it puts yeah, it in perspective of how yeah. big or how how big of an achievement it is to be where you are. Because, like, as you said, when you're training that hard and you're putting in them crazy hours, oh shit, you only go three uh, three under for the round, which is insane. Yeah. Like, but you're saying, "Fuck it, I should be five under." And then when you zoom out and someone else says, "Like, when you actually so let's say you're playing to minus three, but you're plus five um you're thinking oh that's a shit round but when you put it in perspective it's three under like it's an unbelievable round but you're focusing yeah. so much and doing you know what you're on about 
do you know what you're on about there about like the shooting the three under par and then my handicap being plus five so i suppose for anyone that's that's listening that might not necessarily play golf the handicap system when we're talking about plus five is so everyone starts off roughly with a handicap of 24. so if you shoot 94 you shoot 70. so when you go below scratch which is also zero you start adding shots back on and add a minus if i shot went around a par 70 golf course and shot 67 when i was playing off plus five that would have been a 72. so so I, if i was 24 new, and i shot a 94 i would have technically bet you yet you would yeah, have got exactly, a better yeah. score than me yeah yeah exactly so i think but i suppose that that's at that level i'm playing off that handicap it's and the way the handicap system has just gone so the handicap system changed in 2020 so what it's done is it's made it's made it very achievable to get um your handicap lower very quickly but it's also as easy to go upwards as well so it can fluctuate very very easily so you could be off say a handicap of seven one week and if you went out and you played four times in seven days you could be playing off a handicap of scratch the following week it, it can fluctuate that Jesus. much that quickly um i remember when like let's say my brother got a handicap i think it was like 12 or 14 and someone was saying oh yeah. jesus you're you're screwed like you're going to be at that for years you'll have to play you know months of bad golf to get up to like 15 or 16 and have a chance at some competitions why yeah. did it change? So you, had, like, you don't know any any reason why it changed. So it was to make it more um, comparable to other nations. So I suppose the biggest golfing nation in the world, like it's very easy to say, it would be the USA. Given that they have such a great college system and like the the, the amount the, their population that plays golf there, it's 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 insane. Um, and to be honest, it's, it is, it'd be incomparable to what we have here in Ireland. Like they'd have, like, obviously because they have such a high population, they'd have millions of golfers where we might only have like 200,000. It definitely, like, if you look at say any tour player, I would say, like, I don't know the exact figure, but my guess would be more than likely 85% of players on tour would have gone to college golf in the States. Mm. And even if you look at just the nationalities of golfers, the majority of them are American. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But it's, it's. I don't know what it is, in terms of, like obviously they have a higher population, and when there's a higher population, you're obviously going to produce more better golfers. Mm -hmm. But if you look at even the, the the standard of player that they build, out that never make it on tour, it's it's incredible. Like right. those. Like I think, like in so there's this tournament called the Eisenhower. So it's the World Golf Amateur Championships, and it was held in Carton House in 2018. And the American team consisted of Colin Marikawa, um, a guy called Cole Hammer. I think it was Andy Ogletree. Those three players were inside the top four players in world amateur golf 
you wouldn't believe who didn't make the team, who's like a nearly like a household name of golf, given his swing, is Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf didn't even make that team. And he's a, I think he won twice in the PGA Tour before going to live golf and has made it already a fantastic live and a great name for himself. And he wasn't even on that team. Are they at a disadvantage like an Irish player would be at a disadvantage playing over in the, the League of Ireland um, in terms of getting scouted for, let's say, the Premier League? Are, is an Irish player at a disadvantage getting into the PGA Tour because they're in Ireland? Are they going to be at an advantage through scouts and stuff like that in, in America? Well, see, you, won't get, you don't get scouted to go on the PGA Tour. Um, you play your way onto it. So to go through what's called qualifying school. So there's qualifying school for every tour that you want to get on in the world. But going back to being scouted, um, you have to be scouted to get into the college system. But on saying that, unless you go to, so say for example, there's a guy that I know, um, he's, in, he's in the US at the moment and he was a top Irish international. He went, so he got a great offer from a big college. So it might have been something like he would have got, say, maybe 80% scholarship. But those fees could have been like 70,000 a year. So if those fees are 70,000, so he'd get 80% of that paid. So he's still left with however much, maybe a few thousand, which is, it, don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic scholarship. But for for Ireland and for the majority of people living in Ireland, like that's a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. say if it's five to 10,000 euro, like that's a lot of money for, for some people. And I think that, I think he went on and he actually signed for a college where he got 110% scholarship. So he ended up getting his fees paid for, his everything paid for. Plus he was getting, I think it was like 5,000 euro every year. And, and he ended up going with that, with that option. Um, he is kind of at an advantage in terms of getting scouted for that college because that college is going to provide him with better coaches and better training. But at the core of it, if you were good enough and score well enough, let's just say, right, just for instance, you were good enough, you will make it to the PGA Tour. Is that a fact or is there any, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more variables, but if you're scoring the lowest scores of anyone in the world, you'll be on the PGA Tour. No, no, there's never any guarantee with making it in this sport. For example, like, obviously, as you said there, there is going to be variables. But even at that, like, I think it's like going and looking at some of the players. I I actually, I was swiping through TikTok there yesterday, and I seen this TikTok that somebody made, and it was like, the top, or these players, what their handicaps were when they turned pro. And... I think Ben ha- Ben Ann, who's uh, he's an American player, Asian Asian slash American player, and he turned pro off plus one point two, and you know, so how is it that there might have been, say, a thousand lads playing off a better handicap than him, or and yes, he's the one that's winning. I think he's won three three times on tour since getting off. Or even he's definitely won once, anyways. Um, but like, how how is it that you know those lads with the higher or with the lower handicap aren't making it where this guy is? And I think it's it's an awful lot to do with mentality and belief. 
I think I think that has that will pay a bigger factor. Like I even see it for myself. You know, since I've turned pro, golf is completely different for me. Now, obviously, I'm taking a different route to 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 trying to play play for a living. Like obviously, I'm I I'm working, I'm coaching, I'm doing a bit of everything um, to try and get by. But and I also, I suppose I'm playing too. But like to try and get to that level, I think you need an awful lot of luck. But you also need to have that mentality that it's almost because like, it's very easy to get caught up with, say, the finances, with what everyone else is doing. And if you're not achieving where, where someone else is, it can be very easy to get caught up in that. I, yeah, well, obviously, we'll get into that in detail as to like where you are now and obviously the journey of the mentality of it but we'll take it all the way back man can you remember the first time you played golf uh 100% yeah so it's kind of mad how I got into it so obviously I don't come from a golfing background but I have one cousin that plays and he'd be he'd be a very good golfer um he plays off a handicap of five and I'd say he's been off that between four and six He's been playing off that for I'd say maybe ten years, so he's 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 a very very good solid golfer. Then, um, my dad, because of me, uh, would have tried to play a little bit. Um, Mam tried to pick it up before we were born, and that's basically how we ended up getting into it. So, we were actually we moved house in two thousand and six. And we made it, we, myself and my brother, Adam, we didn't want to move house. So we made a deal with our parents that if we moved without arguing, we'd actually get, they'd get us a PlayStation. And <laughs> when, when, when we moved, we didn't actually get that PlayStation for, for maybe a year. And I think it was, it was the summer of 2008. Uh, we were coming out of mass and because we, we used to go to mass at that age quite a bit, um, saying the prayers, you know, yourself. God help you. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And he, we, we were coming out of mass and we were talking about this game. So we got, when we got that PlayStation, one of the games we got was Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2006. And when we were coming out of mass, we were telling, mom and dad about how we hit this shot in Tiger Woods that we were like stuck behind trees and like hitting these hooks and slices and just these class shots that we hit on the game and then mom said oh I used to play golf we were like no you didn't what are you on about and she she said that no she did and anyways we went home home to um home to the house after mass and I said oh prove it so that you play golf and anyways dad went in that about an hour later into our old house where the golf clubs were left and he brought them out the to our house there in, in bacon and we ended up myself and my brother we ended up being out in the garden until like i think it was like half 10 11 o'clock that night we didn't go in at all we were we were just flat out hitting golf balls around the garden so it was that was the first the first um first time i was ever ever held a golf club and like how did you compare to adam were you any better how did 
How is he shiting your good? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you'd love to hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, like, I think, I think, like, you know, I, uh, that evening, like, I vividly remember at that time, like, obviously, I, I didn't know anything about golf um, at that time. And, like, even now, like, I'm still, still learning, like, no matter how good, good you get, you're always going to be learning. But, that evening, like I, I can still remember hitting the, the middle of the club face. Like I, I can still feel, I can feel it in my hands what it feels like to hit the middle of the club face. And I 100% felt that that day. And I know he did too. How was he? How did I like? I, I just put in the time and effort. Um, like I, I always, <clears throat> I was always that. I was never really good at football or, or rugby or soccer or anything like that. And I always, like, I love sport. Like, I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's it's all I've ever wanted to do. Even when I was, like, in ju- junior, senior infants, I used to love football and and just trying to, to be good at it. And I always, always wanted to, to be an athlete or be involved with sport. It was always a goal. Um, and I was just ha- I just happened to to find golf very early in my life, and I'm very grateful for that. Well, what age were you? At, I at suppose I I would have been eight, eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I was I was just before my communion um, when I when I got the the golf clubs in the hand. Um, and so, like, do you remember and, then going out for your first round in your first competition? I remember my first round. Yeah. Um, myself uh would you believe it actually or not my because i didn't come from a, a golfing background um i was actually just hitting golf balls in the garden for nearly like two years so i i would have i probably would have practiced in the garden at that age i'm going to say probably twice a week maybe even three times um i can't fully remember but i always remember the garden was like my golf course at that age. So I didn't really hit many drivers. It was all kind of like eight and nine irons. My first round, oof, I think it wasn't very good. <laughs> but it was, I, I still remember like the weather conditions. I remember it was, it was like in August. No, actually, sorry, it wasn't August. It was October. And it was... It was actually quite warm and it was it was pretty mild to be honest and after that round i think i probably dad would have brought us out once a week myself and adam we i'll never forget out of the three of us like obviously golf was new to dad as well and uh dad was the first of the three of us to make a pair on the fifth in valley Hunters. <laughs> so like for us like that was a big thing i remember <clears throat> it, it was a great memory like you had your sights set. You have to hit the next pair, then, like. Yeah, yeah. I probably, I probably hit a few more since then. <laughs> than him, but, um, yeah, like. And then what about the competition? Like, like, when it. did you decide? Right, you're going around. You're kind of you're picking it up well. And is there like a moment where yeah. it clicks, or is it just as you said, consistent hours, and you just kind of felt yourself getting good because you were putting in the putting in the time. Uh, like I remember my first competition. And it's mad because, like, I I remember like 
how nervous I was hitting that first tee shot. And those same nerves that I had when I think like by the time I think I was 12 by the time I played my first competition. And I still remember how I felt on that first tee. Every single first tee I've gone to playing any competition of any round, I still feel that same pressure. That same those same nerves. They haven't left. It, it's 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 probably more of just how I deal with them now that might kind of help help me be a bit better, I suppose. Play a bit better. I'm manage. surprised to hear that because when when you think you you put in time, that usually makes nerves go away. Go away. Like let's say you're studying for a test and you know, I know all of this content. It's not nerves, but I suppose golf is a bit different because you could shank that golf club. It's not like nothing. <laughs> nothing is set in stone. You could do like I do yeah. every time and shank it. And obviously, when right, you play. How did the first competition go in terms of results? Oh, I think I got in like a stable for competition. So stable for competition is a point system. And if you play it to your handicap, it'll be 36 points. And I think I got like 17 or 21 points for the, for the 18 holes. But obviously so, enjoyed it. But like, oh, 100% I enjoyed it. I, 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 I love, I love going out and playing golf. It's, it's no way. Definitely my favorite thing to do. Yeah. So and that and that's and that's always been the same. Um. When after that competition, that was what you were twelve. Over the yeah. next probably four or five years, there's been a serious amount of hours put in, and obviously, like the trajectory of your ability and what you do in golf changes totally. What yeah, is that yeah, like? Yeah. Obviously, you're getting up. What is, a, first of all, a schedule like? Let's say when you're 14, 15, when you're hell for leather at this 100% focused. 14, 15 was, it was always a early start. And like, I just remember for, for every summer up until I was probably 16, no, probably even more, 17. Every single day, I would have got up um, early and I'd start my practice in the garden. And I used to always do this thing for practicing um, my chipping. So I just used to put a pole maybe like two or three yards in front of me and I'd just try and hit the pole with the golf ball. So it was a very short distance. But with that pole, I was practicing my trajectory. So if I wanted to hit it high, I hit a higher part of the pole. If I wanted to hit a medium trajectory, I hit the middle part of the whole pole. Um, and if I wanted a low trajectory, I hit the bottom of the pole. So that's what, kind of how I started my day. Um, from there, then I'd be dropped into the golf club and I'd play like 72 holes a day, 54, 72 oh, holes a day. Shit. Yeah. So I didn't, I wouldn't have really done much practice in terms of like block practice at like a chipping green where you hit like 10 a thousand golf balls of chipping or or that now obviously after when I started traveling a bit more to do my practice elsewhere I got I was more structured then but up until actually maybe I'm gone a bit ahead of myself I think that's from the ages of probably 12 to probably 14 I'd say I used to do that and um, 
I just used to play so much golf. I, I, I absolutely loved it. And what changed um, from like was, 15, 15 like to 18? Really well, I think, I think what kind of changed was in my under 14 year, I, I won um, the kind of close championship. So that was my first, um, my first kind of golf Ireland win. And then when I, when I won that, I kind of got a bit more support from, well, it, it what now, it used to be called the Golf Union of Ireland, but it's now called Golf Ireland, so I'll just call it Golf Ireland. So I got a bit more support then from Golf Ireland in terms of coaching and that. So I didn't have a coach at this time, and I got a bit more, I suppose, guidance in that, and obviously, I haven't already said it, mom and dad didn't really know much about golf, and I kind of... I was guided to end up, I ended up going to um, Declan Cunningham here in Galway. And from the ages, from say 14 up until I was 18, I used to go to him. And I'd be up with him twice a week for, for the majority of the year. Um, Mam and dad were always so, so good in, in bringing me different places and that to make sure I could practice. So. So you're obviously going around for practice, yeah. but you're also going around for so at weekends. Are you are most of your weekends taken up with golf competitions then full time from fourteen to eighteen? Not, not no, um, not really. I used to, so I was really lucky um, that when I was when I was sixteen, I or even fifteen, I joined Athenry Golf Club and. From I was a member there up until I was eighteen, um, and the reason why is because whenever I used to come up to Declan Cunningham, he used to do his lessons over there, and um, he used to have like he was a big group of us, um, and it was brilliant because we're all still friendly now and and all that, and but they um, we, I used to play there then most weekends. So the only time that I was ever really in Ballyhawness was probably the weekday, um, say after school in the evening times, that I, I would have gone back in into the golf club to to play there during the week. And with Golf um, Ireland, would, would you be around, would you be playing like a Golf Ireland tour at that time? Yeah, yeah. So at that, at that time, I think, I think there's like Irish Junior Open tour now or Irish Golf Kids tour. There's a lot of different tours for say like lads up until about under 14. But from the from at that time there was none of that so i would have been playing golf ireland tour if you want to call it um from the ages of 12 i think was when i i would have started playing playing all those events they they have like different coaching panels and that um so i would have been involved with the connacht connacht panels connacht teams up until 16 and then i broke onto the national squad then The national tour. What's that like? How does that come about? Does a coach come up after a tournament and say, you know, do you want to be on the national team, or how does that come about? Um, no. So the national squads get announced after every season. So they kind of work. So the the way the coaching, or sorry, the squads work and the teams, they have 
they kind of target to create events and session practice sessions in say like warmer climates or like they used to go to Spain or or like England before the Irish season would start. Usually there was always two different matches. So you play um Ireland used to play Wales in what's called Cardigan Cup. Then there's also um an Irish versus Spain match, which is quite they're both held around the same time, probably early March. And then they used to have a, a training camp. Was it, I think it was in Quinta de Lago they used to go to down in, in Portugal. Um, so they used to go there every winter for like a couple of weeks. How many, how many been, years were you on the national squad? So it was two years, then what, like one winter, if you get me. So it would have been, it would have been 2016, 17. Yeah, 2016, 17. What age would you have been there? 2016, 17? I'd so have like just ago. turned 17. Yeah, I would have turned 17 when I was, um, when, when that team was announced. So it's very easy, like yeah. you're getting called up to national squads and you're playing good golf, obviously, because you're getting called up to a national squad. Is that, is that what keeps you motivated? Just um, trying to achieve the best possible? Or like, let's say when it becomes really, really tough, when you have to get up early or stay up late or miss things the weekend, <clears throat> what kept you going? Was it the fact that you're on a national team or people are coming up to you? And I don't know if you got a lot of being like, oh, I know you're always just associated with golf. Like, is that good in a way or bad in a way? Did that help you? I think at the time, yeah, it probably helped me. But I think in the long run, it probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't really it's not really great for anyone um you know i think i think like i think in terms of like relationships and that i think it's very important that you know people don't just associate you with say for example imagine someone came up to you say i don't know like one of these podcasts went viral and you ended up may or like being a face on like rt or something like that right so if you were good down time, it, it, yeah exactly but say if someone then you were you were out just say if people were coming up to you and saying oh you do this you do that and they're like yeah yeah i do like that's all they know you for like they don't know they don't know whether what what you what you're actually like they're just judging you by this i don't know persona that someone else probably has built for you and at the same time it's probably no. even more narrow-minded for golf because when you're listening to a podcast or hearing some opinion and you you think you know what the person's like but for golf it's just he plays golf and that's it it's even more narrow-minded i've never really said this to anyone before i might have mentioned it before to you but for example like if you're if you're someone who who craves attention and all of a sudden you have you get this attention that can be awfully dangerous and what it can do to your mind and where you think you're at in 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 life or in your career you can get so caught up with it and i think like social media for me was probably a very dangerous thing for for me and what i associated success with and for me 
because I really seeked attention and I, I wanted everyone to, to know who I was, I think it probably damaged an awful lot of relationships um, that I had when I was younger. I used to go, I was so obnoxious when I think about it. Like I used to go into super value and I'd be looking around being like, oh, they're looking at me and oh, they know me. And sure, it's probably fucking, I don't know, John Paul that works in Dawn. Like he hasn't a fucking clue who I am. I know exactly so that was the, 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 the ego. I built, I, I, the ego built for myself and it's, it was so dangerous. It took me years. Like it, it, it even came to the stage where I got so frustrated when things went bad in golf that I actually ended up walking away for a year and I didn't touch a club. And I think that it probably, it didn't actually stem from, now that I'm a little bit older, I'm getting to learn more about what, what's kind of happened to me and why things kind of went each way. But like, I think that, um, that the way things, when I walked away from it, it kind of, it wasn't really the golf that I walked away from. In my head, it was this, this fame, this image that I built for myself. And there's, and it wasn't there at all. It was just false. Like, you know, that, that sort of, I know exactly what you mean. And and that's very damaging when you're on the golf, when you're on the golf course, then you can't really, you can't just play golf. You're, you're stuck and you're just trying to, to be this person that you're fucking not like. Yeah, man. It's not easy because it's not you that's making this false persona in your head. It's everyone else that's coming up and saying you're great. Like, well, why wouldn't you think you're great when everyone else is saying you are fantastic and you're going to make it? Then you put serious, serious pressure on yourself to be like, serious, serious pressure. If I play play bad, right? And you're saying golf plus Andrew equals good and bad golf plus Andrew equals bad. So like you're associating bad stuff with golf and then putting serious pressure. So when you play bad, well, this idea when everyone knows only you and golf when you play golf well no one's going to know me and that attention that you crave then is gone and what am i going to be a no one it's gone yeah yeah exactly and i think that's definitely one thing that i kind of got a little bit better at over over a few years um it's just kind of trying to be a bit more you know i ended up deleting my social media for for a while um wouldn't wasn't honest didn't even engage with it. And I suppose because I built up this, this, as you were kind of saying, like people have built this, this image of me. And then that image then is portrayed onto me. Like that was all that I kind of really knew. It wasn't like, I didn't know who, who the fuck I was. Did I, mm-hmm. did I actually like golf? Like was it golf that I liked or was it that the, or was it the attention off of golf that I liked? Was it go like was it going to school afterwards and being like, oh, Andrew had this such and such a score this weekend? You won this event. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, you know, I'm I'm going into school. I'm still trying to learn the same fucking book that John is trying to learn, and you know, that sort of way. Like, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any any difference really. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's cra- It's crazy pressure. Um, and so when you stepped away from it, like what was the official decision for you to be like, right, you know, I'm just not picking up a club for a a year, which is obviously a massive decision for someone who played for years nonstop. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny how it happened. Like, like being in an Irish culture, and I think it it's very easy to to get wrapped up into say like the going out phase and drinking and having the crack. And I never had that when I was younger. And when there was the summer of twenty seventeen, yeah, twenty seventeen. So the year before in twenty sixteen, I got I I had all top fives in all boys championships, which was really, really good. And I was I think I was fourth in the order of merit. So that's when I got called up onto that national squad. And I had a very good start to the year that year. Um, a qualified third in the West of Ireland. So only one to make the cut in English boys as part of a four-man Irish team. Um, I was top scorer against Wales in that Irish match. I had a great, very good start to the year. And I went to the East of Ireland Championship and I ended up shooting I shot level I finished I was two under for my last three holes to shoot level pair in the first round and in the second round I ended up going out I, it's a long fucking story I'm not even going to get into it because it's just going to piss me off but there was a thing that happened there with slow play and that that round and I, I still to this day I remember the the uh, rules official but basically we were on the clock and I ended up running the whole way around that 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 round and ended up shooting 82 and I haven't shot 82 in like three seasons on on like a in a golf Ireland event so that was that was the start of a downfall for me and like going back to the social media thing I remember posting an Instagram being like oh I've missed a cut fucking I can't even remember what the caption was but it was something around like oh, I've missed the cut and I need to learn how to make a cut again like what was I actually thinking you know like I had this unbelievable season and just because just one event one day one round like I think the third round I went out and shot 73 but like I was so caught up in that in that one round that it just it ruined me I think I ended up finishing, like, because it was such a bad round, I think I finished, like, maybe 70th in the tournament. After that, I can't remember what what was on, but there was another another couple of tournaments, and I ended up just performing really badly, and my attitude was sucked, and I was just, I was, I just put so much pressure on myself, and then it got to the stage where I was just so nasty to everyone around me, and especially to my parents, and I remember I I was playing for Count Ross's Point um, Golf Club at the time in the Junior Interclub Tournament, and the Connex semi final was on in Casabar, and Mum and Dad just said like this isn't healthy, and they ended up pulling me out of the tournament. And that now that same week they had a holiday planned, but I wasn't going to go because I was going to play that event. But they pulled me out of that tournament and. To be honest, at the time, I definitely didn't say it to them, but I'm I'm so grateful that they did that because I think it's the next what followed on over the next two to three years from that me pulling out that it kind of gave me a completely different perspective and pulling out from them pulling me out of that event, it started that that 
bit of reality check, I think. Uh, and at the time, you're probably effing and blind and saying, and probably blaming people as well. Like I don't know, but oh, I'm sure when massive. you're in that when they're in that zone, it's everyone but Andrew. Oh, everyone but Andrew. Andrew was great. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone needs to say. <laughs> and like I think what happened then was because I never had crack or or like anything apart from golf. When I went on that holiday. We were out there for 11 days and I I was 18 the week before and didn't have an 18th or anything like that. And I think I might have had like, I might have drank like once before going on this holiday, maybe even, we'll just say three times for argument's sake. I went for that 11 days. It was, it was mad. Like, like I'd never experienced that and that crack. Like I, like there's, there's memories still coming up in my Snapchat from that weekend. Like it's it was just such fun. Like it was it was we were there for eleven days. It was it was a family holiday, so my uncles were there, um, and their partners and then my cousin, my grandmother. Like it was just such good crack. And I'd never I'd never got that before. And then when I came back the following week, I was into leaving cert or not the following week, so say maybe I came back, it was the end of summer. I just pulled out with the rest of the, the events. I didn't I didn't want to play. And I probably I don't think I played until the end of September. I played one competition round in Ballyhonas. And I remember I shot four hundred par sixty six and I couldn't get the course record because there was placing on the fairways. And I didn't play golf. From September to September, then I didn't pick up a club. Jesus, and that and that was after. And I remember, like, I, I suppose mom and dad probably even thought, you know, oh yeah, he'll go back playing now after a good round. I was just, I was like, what is this even for? Like, I didn't even like that sixty six. I can remember that round. I didn't even enjoy it. Like, I didn't want to be there. Like, I wanted to go. I, I'm pretty sure I wanted to go and have the crack at the lads again. Because you no, realise then so. that just one little holiday, you're getting a whole perspective, especially when you're in a negative place with golf. Um, yeah. You're portraying all the negative experiences. Or, well, you're portraying the positive experiences you don't have. And then you're saying like, what, as you said, what is it worth? How much time have I given up where I've missed out on the simple things in life, which we all, you know, everyone wants to be a professional golfer and wants to be on the TV, but you know, when you're putting in them hours, is it all worth it? Like at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like, I think that like the, the sacrifices that you have to make, like I 100% did make the sacrifices, but I think it was probably at that age, what I was begin when I was getting on that string of, of negative and bad golf that I was, I was, how I was performing. I think there was probably the bit of realization that, you know, this isn't going to, I won't be playing this or like it, it was probably even more that the odds were stacked against me and I just wasn't willing to sacrifice anymore to, to, to pursue something that wasn't odds on to for me. I think we talked about it before where it's like, you have sacrificed so much already and the odds are still so against you 
no offense to anyone like yeah. any golfer the odds are stacked against any sports person the odds are stacked against and you're looking at how much you have to make up and thinking i've takes now based on what i've sacrificed before sacrifice even more to have a, like a minimal chance left exactly yeah yeah okay i know a lot of people they always talk about the ten thousand hours and 100 percent 10,000 hours is a very good mark for, for say, being a, what, what do they even say after 10,000 hours? I don't want? know, to be a, a master, master or something. Yeah, a master, isn't it? Like, yeah, like, I don't think that's any, any way, a way to measure to being a master of golf. I don't think there's ever any master of golf. I think, yes, you can be a great ball striker, you can be a great putter, a great chip, a great driver of the ball. Does that mean you're going to make it on tour? No, it doesn't. Like you, there's such a fine line between making it and missing it. Like there was actually there was a, a there's a pro in Connemara. His name is Hugh O'Neill, and from what I remember, he went to Q school, so the qualifying school to get on the European tour, uh, one year, and he was in a playoff to get his tour card, and the fella he was playing against was um, the fellow he was playing against in the playoff hole chipped in to get his tour card and Huey didn't get it. And your man did get it. And his name is Angel Ferreira, who's won three master tournaments. So, I mean, there's the fine line of being a greenkeeper and a PGA professional to a guy who's made, a, a pro- well, if he didn't get sent into prison, he'd probably end up being in the Hall of Fame of golf. Like, but that's that's but like it that just i think that's a great you know a great example to show you know those things can actually happen you can be so close and the golfing gods just kick you up the arse and <laughs> no it's not happening like you and, know what i mean uh, and, at the same time you can be there and get in your head or have an injury and you can make it that's it, and then yeah. anything can happen yeah. where it's you're gone next year so it's, there's nothing concrete about it whatsoever it's probably the most it is probably the most the hardest sport to make and persist at i personally think because i think it's one that i think it is the hardest sport to become a professional at because of all the small i think it's barriers. probably the hardest i think it's probably the hardest sport in golf or hardest sport in golf hardest sport in the world I did well based on my experience with it and how shit I am and how much like I wouldn't say effort but I definitely thought the amount of effort I put into golf when I was younger like a couple hours you know a week nothing that you'd be able to hit a ball like I've never you can hit a ball though man the thing is though as well the thing is though as well right I think like I actually seen on TikTok I think it was yesterday as well they must have known TikTok must have known (laughs) on this podcast (laughs) but um there was this TikTok that came up and it said that um, if, do you know what is the 1% of golfers in the world? Like, what is, what's the standard of breaking? Or like, like what score do you have to be to be in the top 1% of golfers in the world? As in like what handicap would say? No, 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 not handicap, score. So score, I uh, was blown away by this. So like, let's say if the power is this. This 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 fact comes from everyone that ever played golf. So whether you you say for example, um, if if you 
Like, it, this would take into account if, say, one of the lads was going out for a round with us and never played golf before, what would they shoot? This, they, they're included in this. But yeah, even at that, I couldn't believe. Exactly, yeah. So what score do you think would be the top 1% in golf? Um, so it's par 70, and I have to guess, like, fucking the, the, the 1% would be, like, I haven't a clue, man. Would it be 1% would be, like, a, a 75 or something? I haven't a clue. 100. 100? 100 strokes. Man, one, only 1% of golfers in the world will ever break 100. Out of everyone that plays golf, 1% everyone will break 100. The, one one percent one percent of golfers will ever break a hundred. That's like, taken every this, layman this into like account. Every every layman into account. Only one percent of people will ever break a hundred. So, I think even for just people that actually have a handicap, you know, fair play to you because yeah. I mean you're in that one percent. I mean we get very caught up as oh, you're you don't you can't break a hundred or you you can't break ninety you can't break eighty. You're, you're, you're shit like but that's not shit you know yeah. that kind of way see I like think it, I, do you know what I think it is is because the only golf people see full stop is on telly and that's exactly what they're basing everything off so when they see someone in their club that's that's really good they're still only basing them versus the person on telly so no matter what round you have until you realise what's good you think you're shit like you're, I, it's, but I suppose your, your idea of a change is like when I hit one good shot I'm like That'll do me, man. Like, I'm shite. Yeah. It's the 1% type of thing where if I can hit two yeah, good shots yeah, yeah. the next day, I'll be happy. But I think ultimately when you try and think if you're a good golfer or not, you compare yourself to golfers that are just insane. I remember you telling me about it would be just stupid for you to think you're going to be as good as McElroy. And you had to, like, compare yourself to, was it, is it Dunn, your man Dunn? Was he the amateur? Paul What's, Dunn. Paul Dunn. You were saying like if you got to his standard, you'd be you'd be delighted because he's still insane. To get to McElroy is just like it's like stupid. Well, no, like I think like this is the thing: if you're ever going to be good at golf, it's always going. It's probably going to be a thing of where you have to aim to be the best of all time. I think. And I, I think that probably goes for nearly everything, every sport, every businessman. I think you have to aim to be the ultimate best because if you don't aim to be the best and you fail, at least you'd be half decent at it. You know mm-hmm. that sort of way. So, like, I think if I probably kept going at my level, at the le- amount of practice I was doing, I do think I possibly could have gone to the States and life might have been a little bit differently. but. I think for for where I'm at now, I'm definitely very happy where I'm at. But it could and have been different, I, all right, in terms of golf. But like, it could be totally different in a million other ways that are, are negative. You know, you mightn't have oh, the connections yeah. uh, and the experiences that you have now. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think even to like, I was probably a little bit later to kind of experience crack, but <laughs> the uh, like. Even from just experiencing that part, like I, I'm, I'm unbelievably busy now that I can't do any of that stuff, and it's, it, it's, it's great. Like, don't get me wrong, it, it but it, it's, it's still, 
it's I suppose I just sound you missed the boys you missed the boys it's okay don't worry yeah (laughs) but I know what you mean now that you're flat out working (laughs) that's going straight in man Um, the fact that you're now working you appreciate them times even more now and I suppose you probably couldn't even imagine what if I just did golf all the time and never had any of them experiences I suppose you've been none the wiser but now you're happy that you did I probably nearly sound very negative in in terms of what my goal is and that my goal hasn't changed my goal is always to like I, and I still do believe that I, I I will end up getting get my chance to play a tour event but I I believe that maybe playing for a living might not be achievable but I definitely believe I'll get a chance to to might I might get there but at the um, same time like, man you uh, you were saying that one thing you wanted was to make sport your job you you practically have so not many people yeah, get to do that yeah. give us a little rundown of you're saying you're unbelievably busy like your 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 setup and your routine now so i get up every morning at quarter to six and I try and get to the golf club a little bit early and I do a small bit of practice until so I probably get maybe a half an hour of practice every morning. This is and up in Galway? Or is up in Galway, else? yeah. And then, no, 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 in Galway, in Galway. So I, I get up, I go do short, like a very little bit of practice and then I start work at quarter to seven and I finish work at half past six every evening. Um, that's the shop hours. So then if I have lessons after work, um, I have to drive across town to the driving range and I start my lessons then at half past seven and I'd be coaching then until 10 o'clock. That'd be, that'd probably be my, my day. Grafton. So, but then like, don't get me wrong, like I, I, I'd have my days off and what I do in those days off that, that will make make it better like for that half an hour that i have every morning like that is so important for me and my golf and the reason why is because if i go let's say if i go practice on a monday i have a day off on a monday and i practice all day and i work wednesday or tuesday wednesday thursday that's three days okay so if i don't practice that half an hour in the morning of uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That means that I won't have touched the golf club until Friday. Then when I have my next day off, so it's about kind of doing a little bit every day. That will definitely get me closer to the to the end goal. But I'm very fortunate though as well. Like since moving to Galway, I've been surrounded by great, great coaches and great met not even coaches, just mentors. Like and I have great relationships with with lads in in the golf industry and they really helped me out and it's i'm very lucky for that which is probably a bit different from when you were playing where you'd be more in a competitive mode and yeah meeting people on the tour but not getting the good connections like you have now when it's kind of yeah a bit more less pressure i suppose yeah well like like i definitely had an opportunity to have closer contacts when I was younger because I was surrounded by by more people but unfortunately just with that attitude that I had there's no there's no way that I could have achieved anything with the coaching do you feel because you're coaching that you're also thinking about them things as well so 
without actually putting them in them hours, you're still conscious of things you should be doing right and understanding your own game a bit better. Yeah, 100% I understand my, my own game better. Um, it's a matter of, like, my own game in terms of performance. My game would have always consisted of long distance, like when I mean long distance, I mean hitting it a, a mile off the tee, and I might hit forty percent of fairways, but I might have say sixty percent of the time I might be say have a shot towards the green. The other forty percent I would have been in trees or anything, something like that. And then I would have been always a very good ball striker, and I was good, always a, a reasonably good putter. So from just expe- just explaining that there, I probably was a weak driver of the ball. I was a strong ball striker, but poor with the distance control and that. But I would always have been a good putter. And now my game is probably a little bit more all-rounded. I think from learning about the, the goal, like the technique, like it's one thing being told what to do, but I think understanding this goes an awful lot further. I think I probably understand a bit more about how the my my body should work, what muscles I should be using. Unfortunately, because of how busy I am, I I can't really train those muscles. But as you can probably see here in the video, but I my body is one hundred percent moving better, and. It's it's incredible because a few years ago I would have always thought that I had to be this I ha I had to be in shape I had to be an athlete to be to perform and like I was down at ninety kilos and I was as skinny as I ever as I've ever been and my golf swing is so much better now with probably another twenty kilos on me I think. It's just how I'm moving my body is is probably where I kind of understand, starting to understand a little bit more about. From yeah, I mean, I, as you said, understanding is so important. I remember you telling me like one or two small things and it's just like seeing it in a different way. And you're like, shit, it makes so much more sense now. It doesn't mean I can do it, but I know exactly what you're trying to say rather than, I don't know, me trying to figure it out or watch a, watch a YouTube video. You know what I mean? Coach is always going to. Yeah get you to feel it a bit more oh yeah yeah and that like for me and like my coaching like i would be big into body awareness trying to give my clients feels because the whole thing with feelness in your body like someone can't feel where the golf club is because that's that that's not the body the, the golf club isn't your body so what you can control is your 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 turn you can okay so i want you to really feel like you're rotating so the rotating might be okay so you're trying to get say your zip on your zip on on your jacket pointing to impact really quickly so that way then you're opening your or sorry you're rotating quicker which is creating more speed and then that's ultimately then going to help help someone hit the ball further how is that how is that transition being like is it is it daunting in a way um or is it kind of exciting trying to 
spread the knowledge that you have about golf or is it daunting thinking jesus i have to tell people what to do it's not daunting no there's some things that like every coach will have their own coaching model and they'll have they'll have their own i suppose things to kind of go to on different things and i think that that for me at the moment like i ha- i have my kind of things that i go to different drills to have someone go one way or the other but is it daunting no i i i enjoy it and i get great satisfaction out of out of helping people but it's it's very cool like I, like i've i have one lad one 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 guy who's like he's he's 100% committed to it um he's married with three kids and probably playing golf maybe I think he said two and a half years just kind of around COVID and when he first came to me he came to me in November and he he bought a net a mat and he practices at home then as well um so that he's he, he actually does uh, he practices between half an hour to an hour every day and He's 100% seeing the results. The last three weeks, he's won his weekend competitions in his golf club. And he started off a handicap of 36, and he's already down to 21, and we're only in May. If something didn't go right for a player, I would feel that I did wrong. Whereas for this example, I can see, okay, he does X, Y, and Z while, while I'm telling him to do X or A, B, C, and that's given him this result. And it's because of his own practice. He's putting what I'm telling him into practice and then it's producing results. So I think like, you know, you, you can all, only ever do as a coach 50% of the work. It's a relationship like, and I think, but I, I, I suppose I read this book just as I, I think it was in, so I started in September. So it was probably, I think it was, it was, I think it was, I read it before I gave my first lesson. And what it said was, so I, I wouldn't be the best of learners in terms of like reading a book. I find it very difficult to sit down and read a book and learn what's in the book. But I got this book anyways, and I just said it was, it was like 300 pages. And it, no, it was about the technique of a golf, of, of short game. And I wanted to learn a bit about it. And I just said to myself on this day, I was like, right, I'm just going to learn one thing out of this thing. Okay, I went, I went on to the contents page, gives like a, say, just a quick analogy of what they've done um, in their lives to get to this point. So anyways, I was reading this, reading this um, part of, the, of the, um, the introduction, and it just says, whatever system you use as a coach, as long as you give clarity to the um, the client, that is the best thing you can do for as a coach. I sat back from it. I closed the book and I said, that's the one thing I've learned. So every single lesson that I go into, whether another coach might disagree or criticize my opinion on what I teach, I give all my students clarity. I will make sure they go out, they come in, a lot of the time they always come in with problems so they'll have but a lot of the time they'll they'll come in with low little to no confidence but when they're going out the door 
they're buzzing because I've given them confidence. I've given them clarity. If you do this, this is what will happen. And they, they, they believe that. And it's the belief that I can give them is what gets them the results because if they go out in a golf competition, they, they know, they, they believe that if they do the swing or whatever they've learned, they're going to get the results. And that, and that generally does happen for them. And it's, it's a, it's a class thing for, for me to, I suppose, kind of what's, what's happened so early on in this, in this business, I suppose, but that's definitely where I, where I'm at with. I suppose you just said, uh, very, very early on about the mentality and confidence of golf, that if you yeah. aren't confident, your body language and, you know, your body language actually will represent that. And, you know, in golf, it's very, very, um, minute things that change a swing but you see in see it in all sports people all all people in sports confidence is like the one driving factor if the ability is there you've seen players like i don't know take eden hazard for example he plays unbelievable one season and the next season he's shit and it's not like he's yeah. a shit football player he's lost confidence and one little spark can get you going again uh just like them coming in yeah. you know with no confidence but then also similarly one thing injury or whatever can put you on a downward spiral yeah exactly exactly um like it, it even kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier about myself and my own playing career like going back to that second round of the east of ireland when i shot 82 that was the confidence that was the confidence drop i probably should have been a little bit older and a little bit more mature but i because i was being so toxic that nobody could help me at that time. As a player, you have to be have a certain attitude to learn. And I think that goes for students as well. Like say for the likes of yourself with teaching, with, like teaching someone um, science. So if you're teaching someone science, but they have no fucking interest, how can they absorb all that information? You Like you need like, you'll have someone that's like wood who won't absorb anything, but then you'll have the ones that's like a sponge and they just crave more and more what they just want to learn. And they want to know it all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's something over the next few years, I want to learn myself how to change. I know it's very, everyone will always say, oh, you can't change people, but People can definitely be altered. They don't have to change, but they can, you can make slight adjustments to someone's attitude. And next thing, it might just click in their head and they can start learning so much. Um, it's probably good like, for you I in a way that, that, um, that you also went through, because let's say you are dealing with someone that had uh, confidence issues or attitude issues. You know what it's like. Like when, as a teacher, if I, if I see someone who's messing or having the crack or doesn't want to learn, I'm like, okay, I know where you're coming from. Rather than me being an absolute perfect student and like can't understand why would why wouldn't you want to learn? So it's probably yeah. a, a blessing in disguise that you kind of actually understand where their mindset is at. That you might be able to figure out how to help them. And and yeah. just another point on the the mentality. But I think of it like most sports majority of sports are active sports really quick you have to think on your feet like the only other sports i can think of that are slow maybe i'm wrong 
like I don't know, like thinking like chess and bowls and all that. <laughs> you know, I know it sounds yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like football and tennis and everything is is quick reaction, so it's kind of done naturally. Whereas golf, you have to do it naturally, slowly, which is so hard because yeah. you're standing over a ball and you're trying to think of ten different things at a time. It just becomes overwhelming. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like there's, you'll actually. Do you ever find yourself driving your car by yourself? Obviously, if you're with people, you'll be kind of clued in. But do you ever find yourself driving your car and you zone out completely? And, and you're, you're not 20 miles down the road and you think, well, how did I get you're, here? Exactly. And what you've just done there, you have drove in the subconscious state. So you completely zoned out from everything that's going on and all you're doing, but you're but then you're like, how didn't I crash? Like, how can it be safe to drive the car like that? And it's because if something changed in front of your eyes, you would instantly react to it. You'd, you'd completely, and that's, and that's what happens with golf. That's why for, to allow, say, the likes of, you know, Tiger Woods or any, like, tour pros, that's the whole thing with, with being quiet. So do you know what, how like all the people are, are quiet when you go, if someone is sitting, you, it's the natural thing to do is to just be quiet. So you don't talk or anything like that. And that's to allow the player to get into that subconscious state to that there's nothing there to change their, to, for them to react to. And if someone does talk, you'll see the pro, they'll stand off the ball, they'll walk away, and then they'll go through their whole routine again to get back into that state of mind. And when you're in that state of mind, you will play your best golf, 100%. You'll play your best golf. And I suppose that is the little bit of a difference between golf and, say, the likes of football. Or we'll actually say hurling because hurling is the fa- It's such a quick-paced sport. So for hurling, they don't have any time to think. They have, they, they're just constant instincts. So, Jesus Christ, the ball is here, catch, boom, foo, ball's gone. You know, that kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Golf, you're stood in. Okay, what do I want for this shot? Okay, we're playing into the wind. It's 137 <laughs> meters. I'm going to pull a seven iron here. I'm going to, the shot is that I have to hit it low. Okay, so how do I hit it low? I have to turn my body in this way to create this shaft lean to produce this flight. So, like, so how so do you get in the subconscious things. there when you have to think of all that stuff? It's easy to drive a car. I'm driving an automatic there going down the motorway and nothing's changing. How do you get in a subconscious when there's so many variables? Because, so there's a, obviously there's, there's a lot of things to take into consideration, but how do I get into the subconscious? A lot of the time it's triggers. So for example, you have all these like, so imagine all that information, you're taking all that information in uh, as you're up at the ball you so you might have 10 seconds of like 10,000 thoughts right for some reason I don't know what it is when I hear the strap of my glove that's when I'm like right it's game on here what what is it so I simplify it completely down so I might be okay so if I want to hit this shot this is the one feeling that I have and for me I'm very fortunate that the way my body works is I generally will always have one feel with my body and then I manipulate the club then with my hands to whatever flight I want. So I'm very lucky with that way. Some people that perform to a way higher level could have way more um, thoughts, but they're able to manage it. For me, this is kind of what, this will be what works. So 
I would have to really feel like I turn lots of my hips and then the the club, as I was saying, I manipulate the club then to, to change the flight. But with the, how do I get into that state? I'm just focused on that one thing, which is the target then after that. So I'm just creating that feeling that I've already decided that I'm doing. So it's like when you hop into the car, do you know how I was on about zoning yeah. out? You've got into that car and you've decided, right, I'm going to drive the car. But you've zoned out. You're in the subconscious state, but you're still driving. So this is the same thing. You get into that state of mind, but you're still repeating that thing that you've already built. When exactly. You're I know exactly state. how to drive a car. I don't have to think, oh, shit, I, I have to change gear. I know what to do. So when you get that yeah. experience, you're not as a... Like um, for me, send over a golf ball. I'm trying to think of, I have to actively think of 10 different things exactly. because I'm not in the flow state. Yeah. Yeah. But like it also, I suppose like it can be very difficult for, for someone who's new to golf to get into that state of mind because it can, they have to be thinking about different things because it's a, I, I think it takes, maybe that's where that 10,000 hours is at that, when you reach that 10,000 hours, you'll have a mass, you'll master some shot that you won't actually have to think about. You can just swing your swing, your swing, and you know the ball is going to go one way or the other. And maybe that's what it is. I, I'm not sure. But You've like the, the code, man. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that is the code. 10,000 <laughs> hours we, man, plus. Because that's the first. <laughs> plus, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 10,000 hours plus subconscious. So I'm going to get in my car t- tomorrow and i'm just not going to think boom subconscious and if i crash Please it's going don't to be do that man. <laughs> i have it on record man you told me like i think though like that just goes for anything though um like i suppose you can still yeah, be the best exactly. we talked about it very early you can still be the best and not make it whatsoever but i suppose yeah. that's it in any sport if you don't understand the sport if you understand don't understand the pressure and don't understand it tactically you know you're out the window so that's what fascinates it for for me really because like it's sometimes you can be and you see with older people in football a a lot i don't know what it is it's like in golf but they lose the fitness they lose all the other things that make them a good player but because their knowledge and their understanding of it is so good they're still a very very they're, they're playing better than young players so it could be the same for golf where a golfer thinks 100%. they have to train so so hard whereas this golfer comes out and he can get into that flow state an awful lot easier than someone who's who's just amped up and, and ready to just smash the ball exactly yeah yeah and i think it's a, that's a skill in itself and it's something that can definitely be trained um it is getting into that that, that state of mind and gol- golf is just full of like new technology and all that and there's I'm pretty sure there probably is. Um, there's well, I, I think it's actually used across all sports at high performance now. There's this band that straps around your head. You might have actually used it yourself. Have you ever heard of it? It's called the neurofeedback band. So it straps around your head, and then you get it on say iPhone, iPad, computer, whatever you want, and it measures your your state of mind. So the state of mind, um, like when I would have been working on it a good bit, um when I was say the on that national squad, it was all about getting into this place called Quiet Eye. So Quiet Eye is 
that subconscious state where there's your, I, I can't remember if it's your left or your right side of your brain, but it's where one side just shuts off. There's not, there's no cluster of thoughts. And then that other side then is the, the subconscious state. And quiet eye, this is the only way, this is how I used to do it, was I, when I was putting, this, well, I introduced it first with my putting. And I used to always have a black line on my, well, I still do have a black line. So say, do you know, like the golf ball, how it says like Titus one, Pro V1 on the side. So I draw a black line through that Pro V1. There would be a dimple one side of that black line. And I pick, say that, say it's on the right hand side of the black line. I'd pick that dimple and I'd stare the fuck out of it. And I'd, and then, that when I'm staring at it, I don't see anything else. It's only that dimple. It's like it's like you have binoculars. You thank God no one can see the video here. And <laughs> but it's like if you have binoculars and you're zooming in on this dimple, and you're just so focused, and all you're doing then is you're just hitting that dimple, and then next thing is roll the ball rolls and it's in the hole, but. I wasn't trying to put the ball in the hole there. All I was trying to do was hit that dimple. So it takes away that outcome goal and you're such you're it makes you so much more process focused. So you're then focusing way more on the technique and not and one common thing in golf, especially for beginners, well, is you hit the ball and you're looking up to see where it goes before you even you before you even make contact. So much technology yeah. in it nowadays. Yeah, exactly. With everything. With everything. Yeah, you think it's nearly becoming over technical, but I suppose for golf because it's so, it's so specific. I'd say more data the better. Mm. Especially you see with graphs, you see with lines, you see with you know the the screens and everything. You can you can use so much data. But at the end of the day, the only data that really matters is getting the ball in the hole. I remember listening to a podcast before about um, it's called the the science of sport, and it was saying about like training young people and. I know there is a perfect yeah. golf swing and maybe golf is not the best um, example to use, but like, what is right? Like who, who decided what is the perfect technique to use in any sport? Yeah. And like, if it works for you and you improve at it, now I'm not saying hold the club totally wrong, but like people can have their own techniques that if they accept 100%, it, yeah. it works for them. We have like a, we have a coaching model that we do with the PGA. So it's all about like matching up things. So say for example, on your backswing, if you take the club on the outside, so do you know what I mean when I say outside? So say like, a if you swing the golf club away from yourself, okay? But then on the downswing, you swing it more in the way. Mm -hmm. That there, they complement each other. So that way then, even though both sides correct, so the backswing is incorrect, but the downswing is incorrect. But because they're both incorrect, it makes it actually it, it cancels makes it them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just to find, I think, like with a good golf swing, it's to have things matched up. So if you do one thing wrong, do another thing to complement that, and then it'll work. And that's yeah, that'd be that's kind of the trick I think with the with the golf swing is to to have have those things to complement each other. How do you make all this sound so fucking simple, man? Well, it's not really. Well, it, that's because it is simple. At though. the end, it's, but it is like, simple. But when you're looking, when you're taking a shot, and then you you realize there's so much to learn, it feels like there's an awful lot to learn. But 
or as I said earlier, when you said about you explained it one way, it like took all the complexity complexity away from it and just let uh, like put it in my mind's eye. We're like, oh, this is all I have to do. It's very easy to get complicated with it, but I think that if if you're a coach or sorry, if if you go into someone for golf lessons and like I've definitely been a fall for this, but like it's very easy for the coach to start saying a lot of things that may not be relevant to you, if you get me. And like a great coach would would be able to just go bang, 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 three things here, work on those, then come back and then they'll have like a, a better understanding. And if that doesn't work, then you can, as a coach, then you might be able to give them something else to do instead of throwing a load of fucking information at them and them ending up going away worse than what they were coming in because they don't, they don't know, they don't, they don't understand all these phrases that were thrown at them, but they'll make, they'll try and do it and they could be doing this incorrect. So then it won't work. Yeah, it's just totally overwhelming and they're actually coming away saying, yeah. fuck, I have so much more to improve on than I thought. And if you keep pointing out problems, 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 it's like, shit, and now I have to yeah. have another thing to fix, another thing to fix. And as you said earlier, get one little thing and fix that. And if that's only the one thing you achieve, there, so be it. Andy, man, it's been a fucking pleasure. I've got a totally different perspective on golf now, man. Um, I'm mad to go out and play. I was actually supposed to play this Saturday, but I'm going away instead. But, man, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure going through, uh, getting to live, because I heard a few of the stories, but I haven't heard them in that detail, man. At the end of the day, you're still Andrew Hickey. Yeah, you're good at golf, but, but you're Andy, man. And you're some of the best crack That's I've it. ever had some great nights together so i don't give a shit if you're shy shy to golf i still fucking love you man so you can, <laughs> you, can give, you can give it up in the morning man i don't give a shit so. yeah yeah exactly exactly andy it's been an absolute pleasure man um, professional golfer professional me. professional pga coach uh all-around great guy I wish you all the best, man. Thanks very much. Same to you. Keep it ham and cheesy. Absolutely. Perfect. Chat to you, Stevie.